Perfect Stranglers contains graphic and explicit content suitable for mature listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Perfect Stranglers. I'm Kylie. And I'm Bree. And I'm Nicole. And I'm Gabby. We have Gabby here again. Part two, Todd Cunhammer. Woohoo! I'm excited. Yay! So we left you guys all on a, a cliffhanger last week. How'd you like that? Yeah, tell us, guys. Yeah, tell Just us. Ch- ch- chat to yourselves. Tell, tell, tell Mama Kylie. Tell Mama Kylie how you feel about it. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. Do you also want to curb stomp Todd Cunhammer? <laughs> Same. Same. If you looked up a picture of him, you know that his face looks like one of those faces that's like... You ever see those old people, but they look young, but they also look old, like a Benjamin Button type situation, <laughs> where their face is like weirdly soft and youthful, but like also not youthful, but you don't understand why. Yeah. Like he looks like he can only eat soft foods. <laughs> he does have a weird thing going on with his jaw. Yeah, he like, looks like his skin turtle. is like soft, but. <laughs> Dana Carvey. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? <laughs> That's yes, exactly but you know what, what I mean? Like, he, he just lo- he looks like he can't eat solid foods. I don't know what it is about. He just looks like he really likes probably like malto meal made with heavy cream and like raisins in it and like a little tab of butter. That's very specific. I was just going to say, very Thank specific. Thank you, tab of butter to top it off. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's not a tab of butter. It's a pan of butter. A pan. A pan <laughs> of butter. So in my fitness pal, when I like me- like measure out my food, you can measure out a pad of butter. That's a specific measurement, you guys. Did you know that? Oh, hmm. interesting. Yeah. And did you know a pinch is all, a pinch is also a measurement. It's like an eighth of a teaspoon is hmm. a pinch. Hmm. I've seen measuring spoons, like a, a tiny one oh yeah yeah for and it says a pinch a little pinch (laughs) a little pinch uh let's do some housework housework yeah Bree. yeah okay so uh if you liked um the cliffhanger episode which we're about to finish up why don't you tell us about it and write a review uh go to uh wherever you listen go to apple Podcasts. go to spotify uh uh like, rate, and subscribe, please. Um, that'd be cool. Um, and also, we still want to hear your weird stories, so definitely email us. Kayla, part three. Yes. Um, our email is contact at perfectstranglers.com. You can check us out on our social media. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube. We're on YouTube. Yeah, there's a few things on YouTube. All the social meds. All the social meds. Yeah, so check us out. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to get back into this trial. I just have one thing to say. Yeah. Why do they call ketchup fancy ketchup? This isn't a joke. It's a real question I'm asking. Why, why do they call it fancy ketchup? Can you please Google that right now? Because I won't be able hey to continue if we don't know what fancy ketchup Why is. Why do they call fancy ketchup fancy ketchup? Here's an answer from mentalfloss.com. According to Heens, fancy is simply a USDA designation that producers are allowed to use for marketing if their product meets the standards of US grade A's fancy tomato ketchup, which possesses a better color, consistency and flavor and has fewer specks and particles and less separation of the liquid solid contents than U.S. grade B.O.S. extra standard ketchup and U.S. grade C.O.S. standard ketchup. Thank you. So it literally just means it's a fancy, like, it's legit just fancy ketchup. It's le- yeah, I don't, I'm a little concerned about the particle situation. Um, <laughs> so I will only be buying fancy ketchup from yeah. here on out. You fancy bitch. You fancy bitch. <laughs> okay, now that we settled the Welcome fancy Welcome to ketchup. Perfect Strangler's Food Corner. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hi. Now we got that figured out. Let's get to Todd. All right, yeah. So we're getting back into this. We were in the middle of the trial. They had, you know, uh, called a bunch of witnesses. And now they've called Todd Kenthammer. The guy who is on trial for murder. They called him to the witness stand for testimony. So that Todd's, is a risky 
thing to do. It really is because it's his defense lawyers put him up there, but the prosecution also gets their chance to ask him questions. Um, and I don't that that doesn't happen in every murder trial. A lot of times they try to just have the person who is on trial just say the least that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <clears throat> Uh, Todd's lawyers take him uh, to the stand to testify for the rest of the entire day. There was a break in there, but then they put him back on the stand. Um, So they basically talked about their family dynamics and started from the beginning as to how he met Barb, uh, when they got married, where he worked, all his job changes. um, And then they talked about what happened on September 16th. They just rehashed the details. Um, A lot of it uh, I feel was just giving the jury like a feel for the Kent Hammers, how they were as a couple and um, what type of relationship they had, according to Todd. Um, he got emotional several times, um, and to me it did appear genuine. He teared up when they ta- talked about um, their 25th wedding anniversary party and, you know, other appropriate times to become emotional. Um they talked uh, about the Kent Hammer's routines and how uh, they were in contact multiple times throughout the day, um, texting each other and stuff. Uh, they talked about how Barb was a clean freak, and those are Todd's words. Um, he also admitted that since one of Barb's pet peeves was pee on the toilet seat, he... Oh, yeah, that's, that's a valid pet peeve. Yeah, yeah, he said that he respected her enough to sit when he went pee. Oh, <laughs> or you can just not let your dick fling around <laughs> to put some Cheerios in the fucking toilet for you, bud. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that was an interesting thing to highlight on the stand, I thought. Um, yeah. He also said that when they'd go to uh, uh, hunting, to deer camp, all the men in his family would all get together and camp together, but... He would always go home each night um, to sleep in his own bed by Barb, and he got teased a lot uh, by the guys about it. Um, He was also, um, when he was on the stand, he was handed a a bag with a women's black athletic shirt with orange accents on it. Uh, If you're from the area, you know that the West Salem Panthers colors are black and orange. He held it up for the court to see, and he was asked um, by his lawyer if he remembers being questioned about what Barb was wearing uh, in the initial police interview uh, the day before her funeral, and he said yes. He was then asked if that looked like the shirt that Barb had on on the day of the accident. He said yes, that was their Friday uniform. So she actually was wearing her work outfit, apparently. I thought they said she wasn't, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she was, like, I don't know if she was wearing jeans or not, but, like, the... Interesting. I, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. <clears throat> so, uh, that was all the questioning from Todd's lawyers, and it went really well, because I'm sure they worked with him and coached him before they, you know, put him on the stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, uh, when the DA, Tim Grinky, got his chance to question Todd, that interview didn't go as well. Um, he got flustered, uh, Todd did. Um, he had an, ex- uh, an explanation um, that the reason that Justin Heim didn't know anything about uh, the window repair was because he had mistaken, he was mistaken and had mixed up the guy's names and that it was actually Jerry Logging that he was um, talking about that needed the windshield repair. Uh, he a- when asked if he knows where Jerry Logging lives, Todd said he didn't exactly know. And that's when the testimony started to fall apart a bit. The DA said, so you were driving around looking for a person you hadn't talked to and don't know where he lives, right? And Todd says, correct. (laughs) He admitted lying. Yeah, he admitted to lying about driving through Holman and Mindoro looking for the truck or seeing if Justin was home uh, on Thursday night. Um, he said he was, uh, the only driving he did on Thursday night was driving home from work and to his son and daughter, um, daughter and son-in-law's house. And he does not recall if he did any more driving after he got home from work. 
He says, I do not recall a lot when he's doing this DA interview. Um, <clears throat> the DA reminded him that he had told investigators that Barb's start time was 8.30. Um, and he said, you lied about that, didn't you? And Todd said, no. The DA said, did you need to see her time card again? There are no 8.30 time punches on there. And he was like, no, I don't need to see it again. <laughs> um, they went over some phone records showing that every day between 7.30 and 7.45, Barb um, would call her elderly mother and talk between 7 to 10 minutes every day. And on September 16th, she had, didn't call her mother. Um, he Can was, we just talk about how Barb is like... Sounds like such a wholesome lady. Like, mm -hmm. she, she is was. calling her mom. She's, like, you know, really taking care of everybody. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's very, yes, she was definitely a nurturer, took care of everybody. She was a very nice lady. Like, I read her obituary, and I fucking bawled. Like, it was so touching like she was talking about like her her grandchild and how you know she loved being grammy and like it was so sad <clears throat> her granddaughter um, i i mean i don't know what her granddaughter looks like now but i looked up some pictures and like she's so cute <laughs> she looks so spunky yeah um So he was asked to explain why she didn't call her mother or call work that morning, and Todd said he did, didn't have an explanation for that. Um, he was then asked if he remembered telling investigators that they were totally fine financially and that Barb was the one who handled the bills, and he said he did remember that. Um, he was asked if they had a lot of unpaid bills, uh, if he had a lot of unpaid bills in his car, and he said no. And then he said, no, I had one, I'm sorry. It was for Allied Electric, and that bill was uh, for around $4,000, which is, yeah. Um, the DA then asked him if he had a conversation via text with Barb on Thursday night, uh, the night right before everything happened, um, regarding an unpaid bill. Mm. Uh, and he said, um, best kept? And the DA confirmed that was the bill they were talking about. So best kept is best kept portables. They are, um, they, they have porta potties. So the Ken Tamers would flip houses um, a lot. And when they had like, were redoing plumbing and stuff like that, they would have um, them put uh, a porta potty on site. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that bill was from. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, he said, the DA said that Barb texted a uh, Todd a photo of the note from Best Kept, and her comment on it was nice, with three exclamation points, and the bill was from January of 2016. Mm -hmm. Nice? That was, that, that was sarcasm. That's sarcastic mm -hmm. as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was some sarcasm on Barb's part. Um, Todd explained that he had paid it in cash, and they forgot to mark it down as paid. The note... Uh, with that invoice, um, said something to the effect of, um, Todd, how about a little communication as to why the bill hasn't been paid? Uh, sounded like they didn't have the ability to reach him from January to September, and Todd said yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... Mm. Also, this best kept was owned by, um, so Barb worked at the, the middle school in West Salem, and the owner of best kept his wife was a cook at West Salem High School. Okay. So they knew each other from that, and so that was probably kind of, like, embarrassing to her. Oh, yeah. That, like, yeah. they had this, like, mutual, like, connection, and then, like, he kind of screwed him over on the bill for months. Like, yeah. that had to be really embarrassing. embarrassing. Okay, then it was pointed out to Todd that he didn't exactly have the greatest track record with employment. He was fired from A1 Glass... Um, Seven eight five <laughs> and <laughs> That's still their phone number. So, <laughs> what's the other one? Cute phone number, Kevin. Oh yeah, the um, Lansing Furniture. Mm -hmm. 
Bouncing furniture. Forever <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um. All right. He was fired from A1 Glass. He quit a different glass place after that because he said it was too hard to work for four bo- bosses at once. He quit his own glass business that he had with a partner because of their differences. And he had a problem with a guy on his shift at his current job at Crown Cork and Seal and was being moved to a different shift. Sounds like a sociopath. You can't keep a steady job. Yeah. So when presented with these facts, um, he was asked if he was hard to work with and, and if everything had to be his own way. And Todd answered no. Um, I know somebody that I used to work with um, who went to high school with Todd. And when this was all going on, I was, that's, I was working with, with this person. And they told me that they remember Todd from high school as being like a jerk and like the guy who always thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Oh yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. So, uh, we're also going to hear from some character witnesses. Um, so one of the, the first, I guess she was a character witness. Um, her name is Jennifer Cavadini. She's a West Salem resident and she knows Barb, um, Todd and Barb because she went to school with Barb starting in elementary school. She works at the first community credit union where the Cantamers have numerous accounts. They have a savings account, checking account, credit card, and two mortgages. The mortgages were paid ahead. One was paid six months to a year ahead and one was current. So she basically testified that they appeared to not have any money problems and they were current on their mortgages. Um, the next person uh, was Cindy Kohlmeyer. She doesn't know the Ken Hammers at all. She's a West Salem resident and she was driving to Onalaska through County M on October, 6th, uh, October 8th, 2016. So... Uh, the next month after the, the accident happened. She says she was thinking about the accident uh, and what had happened because she had read about it in the paper uh, as she was driving on County M. And she saw a large pipe on the side of the road and was surprised to see it. And she called the non-emergency police because she felt it may have relevance to the Kentammer case since this was about a half mile from the accident. Um, they they did investigate it and, like, nothing came of it. Like, they couldn't figure out, like... Yeah, oh, that's weird. Did the did the pipe match? It wasn't the it was same. It was just a totally different pipe. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, that that's that's weird, right? Yeah. How many how many pipes just end up on the side of the road? Especially the whole country road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Um. So the next witness, uh, character witness, was Scott Torgerson. He is a coworker of Todd's at Crown Cork and Seal. He had been working there for 16 years. Todd was working there for nine years. Um, he also went to middle school and high school with Todd. <clears throat> he confirmed that there was a discussion way back in May where about a windshield where Justin Heim was present as well as himself and Todd Kendhammer. Um, then Jordan Kendhammer testified. He's uh, the Kendhammer's son. Uh, I believe he was like about 23 at the time of this trial. He testified that he never saw or heard his parents fight and that he would describe his parents' relationship as perfect and that he had good memories of growing up. That was the second to last day of trial. Now, this is the last day of the trial. Um, They had some more character witnesses. Tina McCoy, uh, best friend of Barb since first grade. Uh, She has known Todd for 30 years and considers him a friend. Um, I wonder what she considers him as now. Just a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Like, honestly, I wonder if she, like, believes it now or not. Yeah. Um, she would go on walks with Barb frequently uh, because they only lived a few miles apart. They would walk the coolie together, and uh, she says that Barb never complained to her about Todd, and she never saw unexplained bruises or injuries on Barb. Um... Michael Service, uh, son-in-law to Todd Kenthammer. Um, He had been married uh, for four years to the Kenthammer's daughter, Jessica. And before that, they dated for four years. So he knew the Kenthammer's for like about eight years. He describes their relationship um, 
Barb and Todd's relationship as perfect, just like their son did. That rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It is, because no relationship, no relationship is perfect. Exactly. And if it seems flawlessly perfect to you, there's probably something going on behind closed doors that you don't know about. Right. Like... Yeah. The fact that the fact that the son didn't see anything odd growing up to he, me means absolutely nothing. He, I'm pretty sure he lived with them at the time this was happening. Yeah, like that. Still, to me, you don't know what's going on in their texts. You don't know what's happening when you're at work, and maybe they are home. You don't know what's happening in the bedroom with them when you're asleep. Like you don't know if your mom has bruises underneath her clothes because guarantee you're probably not seeing your mom naked. You know, it's not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just don't know. So saying that someone's marriage is perfect is... Sus. It, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the, like, when, yeah, when people say, like, oh, this relationship is perfect, it's because that's what they are allowing you to see. Mm-hmm. People are really good at hiding shit, and, like, especially someone that is or could potentially be abusing someone else and then the abused individual, like, Mm -hmm. if they have a certain... or, like, if the community has a certain perception or even the family has a certain perception of them, they're going to be more inclined to hide things. Yes. And only do things behind closed doors. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, you have to keep up appearances and you don't want anyone to think anything bad is going on. Well, not only that, but, like... And that's such a Midwest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And like small town West Salem. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point yeah. because small town, like everyone knows everybody's fucking business in those small towns. And that's like, yeah, nobody wants that. Also, like with her best friend right. or whatever, like, I don't know. It's crazy that if you're best friends with somebody for since first grade, and yeah. you go on nightly walks, you live just a few miles from each other. That she didn't hear about one fight or one disagreement or one thing that... that here's yeah. what I think maybe... Uh, here's my theory on that. Maybe in the beginning of their relationship, she did tell her friend things, but didn't like what her friend said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, girl, you need to get rid of him. Like, he's... Whatever. Right. So then she just never talked about it again. That yeah. makes sense, too. Yeah. yeah. And also, it could have been, like... She could have felt like, I don't know, like almost like envy. It's freezing in my belly. I'm cuddling. I'm I'm good. (laughs) Um, like it also might have been like, I don't know if this is the right word, but like, like embarrassing for her. Like she doesn't want people to worry about her. Like she can take care of herself. Like she doesn't want people to pity her. Mm -hmm. Like especially if she is used to being the caregiver. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. If she's a nurturing individual, especially, like, she doesn't want people to worry about her because yes. she's taking care of other people. And, yes. like, her problems become secondary to everything else happening. Yeah. And, and like, she wants to keep that. Yeah. yeah. And, like, essentially. so if they were seen as, like, the perfect couple, the ideal couple, when I was married, everyone expected expected that marriage to last and we were seeing it like we had couples saying oh my god we wish we had a marriage like you and like people would tell us that and say like you guys are perfect for each other and whatever and like obviously it didn't work out but that puts a lot of pressure on the people in the relationship and like when we separated no one expected it to happen and it's like you truly don't know what's happening behind closed doors you think it's perfect and you don't and you feel like you have to keep up that appearance for everyone else yeah and I could definitely see Barb, maybe the text of her going nice mm-hmm. shows that behind closed doors there was something going on. But would she have said that out loud in public? Probably not. No, because she was too nice. Was, yeah, she was too nice to say anything. Well, yeah, she probably she loved him, so she didn't want to say yeah. anything bad about him. Right, right. Like, you don't want to call out someone when you're supposed to be in this perfect relationship. Right. You know, because you don't yeah. want people to see this is- what's happening. This reminds me, <laughs> I'm going to get a little personal, but this reminds me so much of, of my parents um, because for a really long time, like, I mean, we lived in a very small community and everyone was like, oh, your parents are the best. Like, your parents are so perfect. You guys have the perfect family. You guys are so happy. And when they got divorced, everyone around my parents were 
completely shocked Mm -hmm. and were like, what is happening? But from me on the inside, like, obviously I started to notice things like eventually, but for a large portion of my childhood, like I thought the same thing that everyone else thought. And so like, it just, it is very, very possible. Like it's, it's, to me, it just, it makes sense that she would not say anything, that he would not say anything, like, that yeah. this would be hushed between the two of them. Yeah, and if you want something to be hidden, you will find a way to hide it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that day, um, there was a few more uh, testimony that day. One was um, Barb's brother, who was on Todd's side, and, like had nothing but good things to say about him same with um russell hicks who was todd's first cousin um he seemed like a sweet man like he he like cried when they talked about like barb and stuff it was so sad um then um they also uh put um jessica service um the ken hammer's oldest child um uh up for for testimony i remember watching that yeah. Yeah. She uh, um she reports that she had a good childhood and had a good relationship with her parents and that she modeled her own um marriage after theirs. Um because she just felt that I don't know, that they had a really great relationship. Yeah. Um and I feel really bad for her. So, the state then called uh Jerry Logging <laughs> the guy who he said like oh i mixed up it was actually this guy yeah yeah the state called this guy as the final witness and it was pretty exciting okay <laughs> <laughs> so he says he lives on county m and he knows todd Kendhammer through his brothers uh his brothers who he is not close with he hasn't spoken to them in years uh, his brothers work with Todd at Crown Cork and Seal. He has a blue F-250 pickup truck that he parks uh, in the driveway close to the road. And he was asked if he ever had the windshield of that truck replaced. And he said yes, that a rock put a chip in the window, but his insurance paid for it to be replaced. Um, he has absolutely never had any work done and has not arranged any windshield work from Todd. Um, yeah, so this, this guy, his name is Jared Logging, but he goes by Jerry. Um, his two brothers that work at Crown Cork and Seal are, are Barry and Terry. <laughs> Barry, Terry, and Jerry. How fucking rural Midwest is that? <laughs> they also have another brother named Gary. Oh, my Gary? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, they're missing Larry and a sister named Mary. Sherry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. So, honestly, though, he seemed pissed to be there. Like, he seemed like, like, it was almost like he was like, damn it, I had to take this day off of work for this shit because Ken Hammer brought my name into this. <laughs> like, that's literally, like, the vibe he gave off. Wow. So, next was closing arguments. Um, prosecutors said that, you know, he killed Barb, staged all of this. The defense was saying that, um, you know, the prosecution never even proved exactly how Barb was killed. Um, the jury was ten women and two men. Holy shit. Yeah. That seems like a little off balance. Yeah, that's a stacked jury right there. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm assuming all white. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Very likely. Yeah. Um, they deliberated for nine hours. Um, the jury decided he was guilty of first degree intentional homicide. Um, the sentencing happened in March of 2018. Um, throughout the trial, a lot of uh, friends and family of both Todd and Barb um, showed their support for Todd. Four of them spoke in court and asked for leniency. Um, they were Todd Kendhammer's, uh, the, the Kendhammer's daughter, Jessica, and her husband, Michael, Barb's brother, David, and Todd's own mother, um, some of Barb's family members, however, made it known that they do not want Todd Kendhammer to get out of prison anytime soon, and they said that they want justice for Barb. 
Um, her first cousin spoke on behalf of several family members um, throughout the country, um, asking for the harshest punishment possible. Um, she said, as we watched the trial unfold, our hearts were broken when we learned there were seats saved for anyone who would sit in support of Barbara, but no one did for the entire nine days. All the while, the seats in support of her murderer overflowed. Um, so the DA, Tim Grinke, said that Ken Tamer's lies about what happened to his wife show his true character regardless of what family members had to say. Uh, he said... Pardon my language, but to be perfectly frank, they need to get their head out of their asses. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, he asked the court to not allow Ken Tamer any possibility of release. Um, he said he did not show Barbara any mercy, and I don't think he deserves any mercy at this point. The judge said, this isn't a church, and I don't believe in mercy in the, in the courtroom. holy shit yes so in a packed courtroom judge Bierke handed down the mandatory life sentence uh in prison with the chance of parole after 30 years um how old would he be he's 78 okay uh he said 20 years uh 20 years in prison is way too short and that's why he gave him the the 30 um in my opinion, the length of your marriage at 25 years is way too short, he said. I'll set your parole eligibility date for March 9th of 2048. Todd Kenhammer also thanked his friends and family for their support. While he is eligible for extended supervision in 2048, Judge Bierke doesn't think a judge will release him unless he finally admits to killing his wife. Uh, He'll be nearly 78 when he's eligible for extended supervision, and he'll be serving his time at Dodge Correctional Institution in Wapan. Um, what do you guys think happened? Well, I think that he definitely killed his wife. Mm-hmm. I think that he beat the shit out of her, and then she was like unconscious or something, put her in the car, then slammed the pipe through the window to make it seem like it was an accident. Mm-hmm. And then um, when he was, then he pulled her out, called 911 or whatever, and I don't think he actually performed CPR. And if he did, I think he did it hard enough to show bruising on chest compressions to make it be like, oh yeah, he definitely performed CPR. Um, I don't know if they'd be able to tell, like, because, I mean, EMTs did CPR, too. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't... Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think that's what happened, and I think it was all over... I think she was on his ass about the bills, and he had had enough of being told what to do by his wife. Um, she... I think that she was probably sick of his shit, having to clean up after him, both physically cleaning up after him and cleaning up financially after him. Mm-hmm. And... She was probably at a breaking point, too. I mean, we don't know what conversations were said off of, like, technology. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, like, um, like the whole thing with the sitting down to pee and, like, leaving at night um, and being teased by the guys because he had to go home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe just, like, that little, like, chirping at him and just little being emasculated. emasculated. Yeah. It just yeah. caused him to flip his shit one day mm-hmm. and yeah. especially if he has like heavy anxiety i mean if, if you're prescribed alprazolam like you're having like pretty intense normally you're prescribed that because you're having pretty intense panic attacks yeah. mm-hmm. and your ability to function during those panic attacks is very limited yeah. so like that will knock you out being consistently poked and yeah but, like, if, if you're being consistently poked and prodded and, and frustrated by someone, and then you're in the middle of a panic attack during that, or if you're under the influence of that medicine, like, mm-hmm. you could easily snap. Yeah. Yeah, and he said that that day, I mean, he's a fucking liar, so how do we know? But he said that that day of the accident that he had not taken his medication. Yeah, and I would believe that. I mean, it was early in the morning. 
Yeah. On your way to work on a Friday or whatever. Yeah. I would believe that he probably didn't take it. Um, because it's not something you would take daily, but I, I do, I think that he beat the shit out of her and then tried to stage it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the charge a little bit because I don't, I am no lawyer, but I, I'm not sure if that was the correct charge. Okay. So let me explain. So, um, the charge was first degree intentional homicide, um, which under section 940.01 of the Wisconsin statutes, first degree intentional homicide is defined as causing the death of another human being or unborn child with intent to kill that person or another. First degree intentional homicide is a class A felony which carries potential for life imprisonment. Um, I think that maybe a more accurate charge would have been first degree reckless homicide. Because I don't know yeah. that he, like, intended, was like, I'm going to beat her till she's dead. Like, I'm planning to right. kill her right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think don't that... You don't think it was premeditated. I think the 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 staging of the accident, the cover-up, was clearly premeditated. But I don't think that that day he was like, this is the day I'm going to kill her. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so the first-degree reckless homicide, um, uh, as defined by the Wisconsin statutes, is um, whoever recklessly causes the death of another human being under circumstances which show utter disregard for human life is guilty of a Class B felony. Um, The Wisconsin criminal jury instruction um, for that charge describes the elements of first-degree reckless homicide, Firstly, the defendant caused the death of the victim. And secondly, the defendant caused the death by criminally reckless conduct, hitting her. And thirdly, the circumstances of the defendant's conduct showed utter disregard for human life. Uh, Criminally reckless conduct requires the government to prove uh, three more elements. The conduct of the defendant created a risk of death or great bodily harm to the victim. The risk of death or great bodily harm was unreasonable and and substantial. And finally, the defendant was aware that his conduct created the unreasonable, substantial risk of death or great bodily harm. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. I think that kind of sounds like it fits better, but, like, I don't know what they were working with or what they yeah, think, the, thought they could prove. The or only like... thing that gets me is if he just snapped and he didn't plan on killing her and they just got into it in the car, he pulled over, beat the shit out of her, mm-hmm. why did he have a pipe? Right. Um. Was it short enough to fit in the trunk? It was, it, it was 53 inches. 12, 23, probably, 30, 30, yeah. 12, 23, 36, 48, 60. So it's just shy of five feet. So, so four yeah, feet. Yeah. So could have, I mean, maybe if it was put at an angle. I mean, I don't right. know what the trunk of a Toyota Camry looks like. Yeah. But, I mean, if, um, and if they like, they renovate homes, he has like a couple garages. I don't think it would be out of line to have some type of like, Something like that in your car. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. It, there was nothing like else like that in their car. In their trunk, they had just like a, like an umbrella and like some gloves, okay, that, like so. for like winter gloves if you need to like normal okay, trunk so shit. He. I wonder if he has like a work truck and then this truck or something or this car. So then that would be out of the ordinary to have in there. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it was like clean. It was like a nice clean car. Um. A little while after his sentencing, um, he fired his lawyer which he had done once before in the middle of the trial he actually had two lawyers throughout the trial um but anyway he hired Stephen avery's lawyer yes um from the netflix show making a murderer they have files yeah Yeah. so um they have uh also i'm pretty sure all of this is being funded by like his family and like barb's mom has a lot of money and i think that poor lady might be is getting sucked dry yeah so um they have filed several extensions to file an appeal and there was an appeal filed in august of 2020 and it's currently being worked on um i see cat uh uh 
Todd. I like I looked up his case on uh, records, and the trial is the only thing on his record. Um, the last activity uh, about the appeal was noted on March twenty fifth, twenty twenty one, as of this recording. Um, it it was just something boring. Uh, the DA needed another week to submit something or another, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't. I just feel really bad for their kids and grandchild. Like you know, they have like right. one one parent has passed away and one's in prison forever. Like yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what. Um, Cranfest was canceled last year because of COVID. But I am mm-hmm. going to Cranfest this year, and I'm gonna rage for Barb. I'm gonna go to the pancake breakfast <laughs> at the church. I'm gonna buy some. Cranberry potpourri. <laughs> gonna rage for Barb because she loved Cranfest so much. So, yeah, it was a very sad story. Um, we do have uh, some some questions though that I'm gonna ask Gabby because Gabby has cut Todd Cantammer's hair before a couple of times and really? his son's hair. <gasps> For real? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, wow. give us all of the tea. All right. First. Okay. When did you when did you first meet Todd Kent Hammer? Um, I was at Cost Cutters and I cut his hair. I didn't know who he was until my manager came out and was like, How was that? And I'm like, I don't know. It was kinda weird, but it was fine. And she goes, You know who that is, right? And I was like, No, who is it? And at this point I hadn't heard of the case. I was completely unaware. So this was after so you first cut his hair after this whole thing it was in like I'm really bad at dates but I found it weird because her last name was Ken Hammer too she's not related okay so this the first time I don't remember a lot of the details because I was just like oh my god that was so weird you know like why didn't you tell me or whatever and you know whatever so the second time that I cut his hair same thing I was at Great Clips and my manager comes out and was like how was that? And I was like, it was kind of weird. And she goes, you know who that was, right? And I was like, no. And she goes, that's the guy that's on trial for allegedly killing his wife. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, so, you know, regular stylist conversation. I'm like, what's up? How's it going? What are you going to do for the weekend? He said he was going to go get something for his wife. <gasps> so Literally. He, he talked about her like she As was still if she alive. was alive. And he was saying that his children were with grandparents, so they had the weekend to spend together. Wait, he what? was talking about his children as if they were children that needed to be watched by his grandpa- by the parents. Oh my god. But his yeah. children were like in their like twenties. Yeah. Right. He was delusional. Yes. Yeah, were. so I think he had lost his mind somewhere along the way mm-hmm. because I mean he had to have known that the community knew about him. Obviously, I was unaware because I wasn't following it at this point. Uh-huh. After that, after I'd had the conversation with her being like, we just talked about his wife as if she was alive. Then I got into the case. Yeah. Um, and then I had cut his son's hair a couple of times. Um, he seemed like a very nice, well-rounded person of the community. Um, outspoken. Nothing really stood out about him. as that he was polite and nice. Then, I cut his hair before his trial. Todd's? Yes. It was not a good haircut. I was freaking out. His daughter and son-in-law were there. Did he request you? I don't believe so. Okay. You just happened to get him again? Yep. And I just remember just feeling so out of place and just feeling so awkward and not wanting to cut his hair. So I got it done with as soon as I could. And like I made the littlest conversation with him as I could because I just kept thinking of the last conversation I had with him. Yeah. Like there is a murderer sitting in my chair right now. Yeah. So then, of course, you know, I'm in the back. I'm in the break room, like watching Facebook Live, like watching his trial and everything and trying to get into it. Anyways, it was not a good haircut. I just kept looking at that haircut, and I'm like, mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So this uh, he got arrested in September of 2016. Uh, 
he was arrested in December, December of 2016. 2016. Yeah, December. And the trial started in 2017 in December. December. So it took a year yeah. from the arrest of the trial starting. So you must have cut his hair probably a year after, uh, close to a year after the murder the first time. Right. And then, because you cut his hair three times, right? Yep, three that I remember, and I've cut it, yep. Given, like, six weeks between haircuts. Yep. Probably, like, you probably start cutting his hair in, like, August. Yeah, I want to say it was, like, a summery nice day. Yeah. The first time that he was talking about his wife as if she was alive. It was probably around August then, yeah. No, the thing happened in September. The trial? The, the, the accident happened when she died in September. Right. So it happened in September. He the was arrested year. in December. Oh, the, the trial year. started. Yeah. Got it. So. Oh my God. That is wild. How tall is he? He seems short. Yeah. Yeah. He's not very tall. I think he's like, if I was standing. Because you and I are tall. I'm 5'2". Wait, you're 5'2"? Why do you think you're so tall? I'm not tall. So. Oh. Yeah, I feel like he's like as tall as you or like maybe not not as tall. Why do I think because your legs are like 20 miles long? It's the legs. It's the legs. <laughs> and my legs. arms. I have I have a wide. You do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were tall. It's I should legs. be taller to balance out this length of wingspan. Yeah. Okay. So for <laughs> a man who's short. Yeah. Not a tall guy by okay. any means. When you cut his hair before the trial, did he seem like, like nervous or did he seem like different? Or anything compared to the other times that you cut his hair? No. So the first couple times that I cut his hair, it was weird. Um, very, like, soft-spoken. And, like, like the interviews, he kind of stuttered, you know, didn't really speak very loudly or clearly. Um, and then I'm sure I made it weird the last time I cut his hair because I was just like, eep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Right. Well, and then, you know, his son-in-law and daughter were sitting, like, right there. And I, like, I just, I knew that he was going to be going to trial. So I'm not, I don't want to be like, so what's up with your life? How are you? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he went with them. That's weird that he went with them. He probably had to. I don't know. Well, I don't. Or maybe what for if anxiety, he would, you know? Yeah, or like yeah. maybe he was getting heckled when he went places. He could have I been, bet. Yeah, because yeah. his face was plastered everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, he's a really basic looking guy, but he's just weird enough looking where you would know it was Todd Ken Hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, was he like one of those people who do not shut their eyes at the shampoo bowl? I'd never shampoo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Are those people who don't understand, like, keep your neck in the bowl, but turn? Uh-huh. Yeah. And lift straight up. Right. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm wet. <laughs> like, yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> Learn how to lay in a bowl. Oh boy. Okay. So at the time when you were like seeing all this stuff, like, like, you know, there was a lot of people that were on his side and were like, he could have never d- done this. Like, did you have any sense of like, did you have an opinion like if he did or didn't do it at the time? I felt like he seemed cowardly. So at first yes. I was like, I don't know. And like the way that, you know, he just, I felt like there could be an explanation at mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Um, but right away, as soon as my manager, you know, we had that conversation, I was like, he's lost his mind. He, I think that he snapped. And I had talked to other people. Greg's mom knew him. Okay. Knew them. And she said the same thing. They're, they're like, we would never expect that, but things happen. People change. Chemistry mm-hmm. goes whack. And yeah. she also thought, she said, you know, they seemed like they had a really good relationship. Same what you said. You never know what's going behind, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And that he went off some deep end. Yeah. That's what I think happened. It too. is so bizarre that he was talking about his wife as if she was. I know you guys. I know. Well, and then my manager, she kind of she kind of blew me off after that when I was like, "Talk to me about this," and I'm like, "What just happened?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's weird." And like, it's like she, so you're just gonna drop that piece of yeah, knowledge on me and then just yeah, she didn't really that. want to offer a lot of opinion or information or like console me. Like, I'm sorry that you just had that conversation. That's weird. Yeah. Go take a break. Nothing like yeah. that. It was just like, yeah, that's who that guy is. That is like when someone goes through a lot of trauma. Todd, when someone goes through like a lot of trauma and they revert back to childhood thinking, 
and they revert back to their comfort. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you get into like that child mind where you find your comfort zone and you find your safe space and you want to be your child self. Yeah. It seems like he got stuck in his child self to find that safe space and now he can't get out of it. Yeah, like eye contact was not really a big thing. Like I said, it was he was so quiet. Just Like the emotional maturity of a 12-year-old boy who doesn't quite know who he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is what it is is the vibe I get off of him and I've never met him I've just seen him in person like in you know on TV and yeah whatever. he has the emotional like the mentality of a 12 year old boy who is just like I don't like he's never dealt with any of his problems yes he's never dealt with it and he has no idea how to deal with emotions he's emotionally immature mm-hmm. and that's why he would and, have outbursts yes and just taken care of by all of the women around him in his life because they're like you can't get your shit together because yeah. we're gonna have to do it for you yeah because you can't I hate the term man up but you can't adult up yeah and get your shit together yeah yeah, yeah. wow well, that's interesting. Stranglers, um, let us know what your opinions are on this, especially if you are someone who lives in the lacrosse area or follow this trial. would love to hear your opinions on it. And if you have met Todd like Gabby has or know someone who has, you know, DM us. Send us a, um, a contact. What is it? Uh, like a personal story. Contact at Perfect Stranglers. And you know what? Maybe we, like, just have, like, a follow-up episode on Todd Kenhammer if anyone has you know, any stories to say about it. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Well, ladies, for our first two-parter. Yeah. We should, I want to do more two-parters now. Because <laughs> it's fun to deep dive into cases. It's wild. And like, yeah. Get more out of it. We'll definitely be doing more two-parters in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was really cool that we had um, Gabby to talk to. Yeah, thanks but for having I, me on. About this. Yeah, yeah thank you for no coming. This is idea. like, that's crazy. Like, that from the just... source. <laughs> the fact that he talked about his wife, like she was still alive and his kids were children, really weirds me out. That, yeah, and that he was going to go shopping for her. Yeah, shopping for her. That is bizarre. Did he say what he was going to buy? Yeah, that blew my mind. Did he say what he was going to buy? No. Just, just find something oh. nice for her. Oh man, God, that's weird. Nice and easy. Yes. Yeah. Oh mm. God, that stop it! Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well, that's it for this episode, Stranglers, and we will chit chat with you next Thursday. <laughs> yep, we will have an all new, uh, all new episode for you next Thursday, uh, and you know, check us out. Drop us a line. We'll talk to you next week, Stranglers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, Stranglers.